You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to the Buzz Broadway Podcast. I'm Amanda Harrington. And I'm Sam St. Jean. Each week with the help of cast albums, film adaptations, and our own memories, we reminisce and relive some of our favorite Broadway musicals. Come listen to two besties booze their way down the great white way on Buzz Broadway. When you're lost and alone and you feel like you need a little lift. When the times are tough and your day has gone adrift. You can always press play on Buzz Broadway. We've got the laughs. Or when you're blue. Buzz Broadway. Or a drink. I need your shoe. So just press play today. Welcome back to the Buzz Broadway Podcast, everyone. My name is Sam St. Jean. I'm Amanda Harrington. We are Welcome. so happy to have you back. Welcome back to Buzz Broadway. We're starting all- off strong. <laughs> are you already a little buzzed there, Amanda? I- I'm really not, but mm. I'm, I'm really excited to tell you what I'm drinking. Okay, yeah. I, I heard a little bit about this. What are you drinking tonight? Um, for, so in the spirit of the show we're talking about this evening, aka Sound of Music... Of course. I am drinking some pink lemonade as they do. Don't give me that look. The scene. They have this whole scene in the movie about pink lemonade. It's like not too sweet, not too sour. So I'm having some spiked pink lemonade and I'm mad that you didn't laugh right away. So I didn't get it right away because it's not uh, from the musical. Yeah. Well, from the film. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I have no comment. So in case you did not know, we are of course talking about the hit 1959, I think, right? Musical, uh, The Sound of Music by Richard Rodgers and Oscar Hammerstein II. <laughs> have to include that. Have to include the second. Honestly, one of my favorite musicals, I think probably of all time. It's definitely in my top Really? 10. It's beautiful. And and re like revisiting it to to talk about it tonight only sol- re, like solidified that point more that it is just absolutely a stunning piece of musical theater and it's such a great story i think that's so mostly true mostly true mostly yeah with some, with some little embellishments here and there this is the first one we're talking about that's like really based on a true story i so, thought into the woods was based on oh i forgot um you're so right i forgot that that's <laughs> all facts all right you are drinking a pink lemonade of course a spiked pink lemonade what liquor is in there vodka great just plain vodka yeah, because I ran out of alcohol in my house, and we just had, like, <laughs> old vodka from, I think, a party we oh, threw, no. like, eight months ago. What brand is it? Tito's. Oh, okay. So it's not, like, it's not, like, bad vodka. It's, like, decent. Our vodka. number one sponsor. Thank you, Tito's, for being our sponsor. I'm drinking <laughs> an old-fashioned tonight, sticking with bourbon, but switching up the recipe. I can't wait for the time you drink not an old man drink. Well, who Until knows that, that day will ever come. <laughs> All right, Danny Boy, hit us with a synopsis. All right, great. So, uh, Sound of Music, 1959. 
It's the final collaboration between Richard Rodgers and Oscar Hammerstein, and it was destined to become the world's most beloved musical. At least that's what Concord Theatricals has to say about it. <laughs> Formerly R&H licensing. The inspirational story based on the memoir of Maria Augusta Trapp follows the ebullient postulate who serves as governess to the seven children of the imperious Captain Von Trapp, bringing music and joy to the household. But as the forces of Nazism take hold of Austria, Maria and the entire Von Trapp family must make a moral decision. You wrote that yourself, didn't you? Of course not. Concord Theatricals, baby. That's how they sell the show. I want to sell it to our listeners. You're right, and at least we're... So I want to credit them. You're you're crediting them, so... Exactly. Also, I did not realize that they're not Roger and Hammerstein licensing company anymore. <clears throat> no, they're changed. So I think Sarah they... French isn't Sam French anymore, and Roger and Hammerstein No, I think they're the same now. I think Sam French and Roger and r and are the same licensing company. I think it's Concord Theatricals now. MTI, they're coming at you. Or as we would say, as we would say in New Hampshire, Concord. Are you saying Concord? Everywhere else, everywhere else in the world says Concord, but New Hampshire is called Concord. I don't know if that's true. It is. Concord, Mass. They don't say Concord, Mass. They don't? No. Listen, all of our millions of listeners, <laughs> slip into our DMs. Let us know, when... yeah. Is it Concord or Concord? Let us know. I would love to I feel to like get Concord is Q-U-E-R-E-D. Concord. What? Like to conquer something, like a, like to win. Oh, into conquer! A, yeah, and Concord, like Concord grapes. I really love it when we talk about the important parts of musicals. Yeah, Concord. All right, you Amanda, know who about... wrote this musical? Let's talk a little bit about who wrote this beautiful piece of theater. All right, so obviously this is based on um, the Von Trapp family. Uh, so this concept was actually thought of, the concept of it to be a stage production. It was thought of by director Vincent Donahue mm-hmm. after he watched The Trap Family. It was a movie and it was a German film about the Von Trapp family. He thought it would be a perfect play for his friend, Mary Martin, who was the original um, Maria Von Trapp in the musical. So originally it was supposed to be a play written by Howard Lindsay and Russell Krauss. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, and it had, it was going to have just a few original Von Trapp family songs. Hmm. And then they're like, maybe we'll throw a couple songs by Rogers and Hammerstein because they're really great. And then eventually they decided, no, this whole thing should just be a musical. So they got into that. There's like, there's a couple big differences um, between the musical and the real life story. So Maria's last name in the musical, what was it? Rainer. Thank you, Rainer. Mm-hmm. And her real last name was Kuchera. <laughs> Are you sure about that? Not even a little. <laughs> so sorry to everyone. You want to spell that for our listeners at home? K-U-T-S-C-H-E-R-A. So in the musical, she's sent to... Are you looking it up to see if you can try to pronounce it? For all of our... I don't know. Maybe let's let's reach out to Dan Perkins, our high school, uh, I mean, our college <laughs> conductor, and see if he knows how to pronounce a German last name. Well, Austrian last name. If he's going to listen to this, I'd be like, I hate Amanda. No, he's going to love it. Um, so in the musical, Maria goes to the Von Trapp house to be the governess. But in real life, she was actually sent there from the Abbey to tutor the captain's sick daughter. Uh, and then also... 
Obviously, in a musical or a film, you need to make things more dramatic. Their escape from Austria was a lot less intense than it was written. But, you know, you needed some drama to end the show. So they, I mean, they needed to take a train. So they took a train to Italy, then traveled to London, and eventually ended up at the U.S. So that's just a little bit about that. Richard Rogers and Oscar Hammerstein. What a duo. I think this is... Probably one of the best um, final collaborations of all time. Yes, like 100%. For, for a last a last effort, like a last a final hurrah for a writing team. This mm-hmm. is like the peak. Like they went out on such a high. Agreed. All right, so let me tell you a little bit about Richard Rogers. He was uh, the composer, so he wrote the music. He was also a womanizer. Love that for him. Great Born job, in nineteen oh two in New York, he was the original EGOT. Emmy, the first EGOT. I actually Grammy, know that. Oscar, Tony. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And he has two Pulitzer Prizes. So... Way to go, Dick. <laughs> Way to go, Dick. Dick Rogers. So he thrived. I'm only um, referring to him as that for the rest of the podcast. I think that's great. He originally worked, before he started working a lot with uh, Oscar Hammerstein, he worked a lot with Lorenz Hart. Mm-hmm. They wrote musicals through the 20s and the 30s. Uh, the only one I was familiar with is Babes in Arms. I don't know any of the other shows, but Babes in Arms has My Funny Valentine and a lot of standards came from them, like jazz standards. Oh, but, but they also have, like, they have Pal Joey, which is another big one. Yeah, so for all you people Yankee who know musicals, yeah, so people who, who know things, you might know their shows, but for me, who loves it, but also <laughs> doesn't know anything. So, Hart, Lorenz Hart, was... A raging alcoholic and he could no longer focus on writing so he actually passed away and then Richard Rogers started collaborating with Oscar Hammerstein. Oscar Hammerstein was a lyricist born in 1895 in New York an old man. Not crazy. Yeah that was a long time ago. His (laughs) can you believe his father didn't want him to be in theater so Oscar went to law school Shout out to law schools. I currently work at a law school, so I feel a big connection to Oscar Wiener. <laughs> did you just call him Oscar Wiener? <laughs> sure did. <laughs> Dick and Wiener. Os- Oscar Myers has a way. Our two great Anyways. friends. So when his father died when he was 19, he dropped out of law school to pursue theater. He was like he... dipping out dad, sorry. Oh, duh. I'm finding that a lot with the research I do on writers. Their parents are like, please don't do theater. And then they're like, F you. And they go do it anyways. Right. So he collaborated with Jerome Kern on Showboat. That was his first big one. And then he eventually started working with Richard Rogers. Their first musical together was Oklahoma oh, in 1943. I've never seen Oklahoma, nor have I listened to like any music. It's... um. It puts it's very polarizing. Some people love it, yeah. some people hate it. I find myself leaning more towards the love it side, but it depends on uh, Okay. Depends on the production. So they collaborated a lot together. Together they have did I write this right? Thirty seven Tony Awards. Doesn't sound impossible. Okay, you fact check that while I keep reading their other awards. Great. Fifteen Academy Awards. Two Pulitzer Prizes, two Grammy Awards, and two Emmy Awards. What the hell? That's a lot. Uh, I'm showing 60. 
Tonys? I'm showing 42 Tony Awards, 15 Academy Awards, two Pulitzer Prizes, two Grammys, two Emmys. So 42 Tonys? Is what I'm, that's what I'm showing, but also this is just, this is, that, that's, that's uh, billboard.com is, t- is showing me 42 oh. Tonys. Okay. That might I also include to... subsequent productions. Mm. You know okay. what I mean? Because you, you got 37, they... right? Yeah. That might also include like revival productions that they were not necessarily a part of. Okay. All right. So in those years together, they wrote together Oklahoma, Carousel. They wrote for the movie State Fair, uh, South Pacific, The King and I, Cinderella, Flower Drum Song, and they ended with Sound of Music. Hammerstein died in 1960 before the film was made. Mm. So the songs that were added in the movie, I Have Confidence and Something Good, were both written by Rogers. Hammerstein had nothing to do with those. Um, he he died like nine months after the show opened on yeah, Broadway. Yeah, from stomach cancer. Ugh, poor Oscar. I know. I don't mean that to sound patronizing at all. I really do mean poor Oscar. Lots, lots of, again, as I'm doing research on people, lots of, I feel like, AIDS and cancer. Which I guess are, the, are two big ones, especially we AIDS, especially. We hate to see it. Yeah. So that's what I found out about them. They're a pretty Tell great group of people, the, show. the two of them. Um, well, they tried the show out in New Haven and Boston. New Haven is like a very popular, was for a long time. It's the Schubert Theater. It's one of the Schuberts. Um, it's a very common place to try shows out. They did eight performances in New Haven, did a short run in Boston, which is another, um, hugely popular tryout city aside from like upstate New York. Um, they tried the shows out, they tried the show out there for a few performances in each city, um, and before they opened on November 16th, 1959 at the Lunt Fontaine, which is actually where I saw my first Broadway show. Um. Really? Yes, it was The Addams Family. <laughs> Sorry, Nathan Lane. That was the Lane first show you saw? And Newark, the first Broadway show I ever saw, yes. I was 16 years, I was 15 years old. I was wow. 16. Um, so they opened at the Lunt Fontaine, uh, in November, they played a, a little while there and then moved to the Mark Hellinger Theater, which is now the Times Square Church. Um, it's no longer a theater, but there's a church. It's on like 51st Street. Um, they moved there in 1962, so they played the Lunt Fontaine for three years, and then they moved to um, the Mark Hellinger, and then they played there until they closed in uh, June of 1963. They wound up uh, uh, closing at 1,443 performances. So it's a pretty it's a pretty healthy run. Yeah, uh, a nice. It's a little, a little shy of four years. Um, Mary, I'm learning. I'm I'm learning a lot as we go through because the first one we talked about was Into the Woods, right? And that one had only like eight hundred something, right? It ran for a little bit shorter time. Yeah, it was about two years. Uh, rough, a Broadway that, show roughly in a year would roughly perform about four hundred performances. Okay, eight shows a week right. for fifty two weeks in the year. Interesting. Um. But yeah, it's funny to see a show like, you know, we're talking through the last three that we've talked about. You have a show like Into the Woods, which had a shorter run, but two years is still a decent amount of time. There are shows that are closing after only a few months of running on Broadway, which is deemed a not so successful run, unless it's a limited run, like something that Roundabout is doing, or if it's a limited run already. Um, and then we have Grease, which played for like eight years, and that held some records when it was running. Um, and then this is kind of the middle of the road. Shows like... Okay. Like... Um, I would say that a show with like a four-year run is a pretty healthy. It's, I mean, it's it's a hit. Obviously, it did very well. Um, Mary Martin originated the role in nineteen, like like you had mentioned. Um, they had thought that this would be a good vehicle for her. Um, she's coming off of the success that she had in the in the 
50s. Uh, obviously, Peter Pan, I think, opened in 55. Um, I didn't know she was in it, so she was, you're yeah. asking the wrong She person. was the original Peter Pan, yes. Um, cool. And she's the original Maria, obviously. Um, and then the national tour launched not long after this production opened. I believe it might have been 61 or 62. And that starred Florence Henderson from the Brady Bunch as Maria Von Trapp. Cool. Um, the show earned nine Tony nominations at the 1960 Tony Awards. They took five awards home that night, including Best Musical and Best Leading Actress for Martin as Maria. Um, the Von Trapp children were actually nominated as an ensemble under the Best Featured Actress category. Wait, that's so cool. Even though two of them were... I, I am a huge proponent of the Best Ensemble category. Yeah. I think there should be a Best Ensemble um category for best like group of cast uh why why isn't there i don't know there is at the i believe at the olivier's in london i think they have a best ensemble category but um and they might not i i could be wrong the emmy the emmys have a best ensemble cast for television i think you're right yeah they really Um, they should have that but they were not so they were nominated under the best featured actress category even though there's two boys in the von trapp family um but they actually lost to patricia newway who played mother abbas oh okay so they had a lot of multiple categories a lot of multiple nominations in the same category yeah so the obviously the the broadway production opened in 1959 and almost 40 years later is when we get the first revival which was 1998 um, so it took a long time for them to revive the show. I think it had just been, oftentimes what happens, like something with like, uh, Hello Dolly that has like some revivals, but nothing quite as massive. Um, I think when a show is just such a huge deal, um, like this kind of became known because you, you went straight from the, I mean, the film came out, I wrote it down, but now of course I can't find it in my notes. The show closes in 1963. The movie comes out in 1968. And at that point, the movie just kind of takes over the story and there really isn't a way to like show the musical again without having to compete with the success of the movie because the movie was such a huge blockbuster um so the broadway revival doesn't hit new york until 1998 um like i said almost 40 years after the original production you have rebecca luker wife of danny bernstein and notable broadway actress playing uh, maria the late Jan Maxwell, who just passed away recently as uh, Elsa Schrader, the Baroness. And it actually launched the career of Laura Benanti. It was her first, it was her Broadway debut. She was the understudy uh, for Maria. Uh, She later assumed the role. I believe she was 19. She was very young. So yeah, the paper mill artistic director, Robert Johansson, recommended Benanti to audition for the revival. Um, She, the producers were worried that she was too, she looked too old to play Liesl. Um, yeah, she was signed on at 18 to play one of the nuns. And then I think when she turned 19, she took over the role when Rebecca Luker left the production. Wow. Um, yeah. So it's 19 years old playing a lead in a Broadway show and playing Maria. Um, also, yeah. Playing like a woman. Right. Right. Well, I mean, historically she was, she was young, but in the musical, she's typically played by somebody who at least looks late twenties, early thirties. Yeah. And that's how it was in the film as well. I believe Julie Andrews was like 32 or 34 and the actress playing Liesl was in her early 20s. I think she was like 23 She was 21. Fun fact, she had a lovely fling with Christopher Plummer during the filming of the... Are you sure she had a fling? Why? What do you think? I'm pretty sure she just loved him. What did they say in the... Did you watch the Oprah? Yeah, so I rewatched the 
the 45th anniversary. I mean, would she say on Oprah that she screwed Christopher Plummer? She was just like, I had a huge crush on him. And Christopher Plummer just sat there like. (laughs) And she's like, he taught me so much. He taught me how to drink. I mean, like she was like, she was thirsty. Not out of the question. Exactly. Looking at Christopher Plummer as he's 80 years old. So, I mean, I don't know. That leads me to believe there might have been something. He was 34 at the time and she was 21. But like they talked about how they had like the adult hotel in Salzburg and the kids hotel and she was 21. So she stayed in the adult hotel. Amanda, everything you're saying is leading me to believe more and more that she had a flaying myth. I think she just loved him. Christopher Plummer was out like every night getting hammered. Well, I mean, you watched the movie, right? Sure did. He is frighteningly handsome. In the movie. I would have to agree. He has those blue eyes, the dark hair, his oh cheekbones, his jawline. His reaction to everything is sexy. Oh, he's beautiful. Um, so getting back on track here. The London, so there was a London production that opened not long after the Broadway production in the 60s. The first London revival was in 2006. And uh, originally the producers of that production were trying to cast Scarlett Johansson as Maria. I saw that. Which I find shocking. I cannot imagine a production where Scarlett Johansson plays Maria. I also can't um, imagine a production where Carrie Underwood plays Maria, but here we are. <laughs> Carrie, if you're listening, sorry. Carrie Underwood, I love you, but <laughs> stick to country, my dear. <laughs> I'm just going to have to dig my key into the side of her pretty little souped up four-wheel drive. <laughs> But, uh, (laughs) (laughs) so negotiations with Scarlett Johansson, uh, went south, uh, which spawned the necessity for the UK's reality show, How Do You Solve a Problem Like Maria, which cast, um, the lead of the musical, which then spawned Greaser, The One That I Want, which we just talked about last episode, went on to inspire... I think there was an Any Dream Will Do, where they cast Joseph in London, and of course, 2009... The road to Elwoods. <laughs> Isn't it? Wasn't it the search for Elwoods? I thought it was the road. I don't know about the road. I think that's a Carrie Underwood song. All I remember is girl after girl belting, I am so much better than before. You want to give it a try for the people at home? I don't, because that's illegal. <laughs> it's illegal for <laughs> to sing it and also for them to hear me. Of course, the notable subsequent production of The Sound of Music is the 2013 televised Musical starring Carrie Underwood as Maria Von Trapp, Stephen Moyer as the captain, Christian Borle as Max Detweiler, Laura Benanti as Elsa Schrader. I think that's a fun full circle moment for Laura. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, getting to revisit the show after her, you know, huge success on Broadway and and, and on television. For sure. They and cast of course, some goodies. The standout from the 2013 production, Audra McDonald as Mother Abbess. Let's take... Maybe a quick break so Mama can go make herself another drink. I should do the same, actually, because I finished mine. Welcome back. Augustus and Augustine Gloop are here to tell you more about Broadway musicals. <laughs> Hello. Hello. I can't. <laughs> um, have we talked about how you're famous? I'm not famous, but uh, we have not talked about my career. I just sir? feel like we need to take a moment to appreciate that Sam is on Wikipedia as... <laughs> Augustus Gloop, as he just <laughs> unfortunately shortened his tour due to the COVID-19 crisis. But he was Augustus Gloop. We're hoping to head back out on tour oh, yeah. in October of 2020. 2020 um, 
U.S. tour of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I was, and hopefully I will be in the future. I saw it. It was very good. Thank you. Sam needed to do more, though, because he was so freaking funny. Amanda had a starring turn as Abigail Matilda Fleckenheimer in the 2005 production of Dear Edwina, which ran for four performances (laughs) at... Mountain View. Mountain View Middle School in Gosstown, New Hampshire. And Amanda had her directorial debut in 2000. Debut. Debut? Sorry, I didn't know that was the correct pronunciation. In it's not. 2018, where she, we, where she, I can't talk, where she directed. directed Recess the Musical. No. no. My what first, my first like full directorial debut was Dear Between. Oh, The Lion King? No, what the heck? When did I ever do the Lion King? <laughs> I don't know. No, at Nantucket Cyrus Pierce Middle School. So proud of you. Anywho, let's talk about... Let's get back to business. Let's get back into it. Did you watch the movie or the show? I sure as hell watched the movie and listened to the cast recordings. Because the movie is gold. I probably had not watched the movie in... Eight years. Really? And revisiting it. Right, what year is it? 2020? Yeah. Yeah. I probably had not watched this full movie in about eight years. It It is so much more visually stunning than I remember. So much better acted than I remember. Mm. I just don't think I had like fully developed as like an artist or an art watcher. Yeah. Until, I don't know. But anyway, um... It was beautiful. It was beautiful. My mom and I had a sing-along of it last year, so I feel like I watch it once a year with her. Did you go to a sing-along, or did you... No, it was in my living room. Nice, 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 nice. But you sang full out. Always. Good. Can't not do it. for you. What did you... So let's, let's chat about cast recordings. What did you think? I know you didn't listen to the original production. No, but I listened to the 1998 revival. Okay. Which is what I listened to when we did it in high school. Mm-hmm. Um... Also, side note, Sam and I were in the show together. Shocker. We will get to that very soon. Oh, sorry. Jumping the gun. <laughs> um, no, yeah. I That's the cast recording, though, that I listened to in high school. Mm-hmm. I never really listened to the movie soundtrack. Me neither, surprisingly. Even though it's like the, the music I prefer to listen to. I, I listened to, the, to the, uh, the film soundtrack as a kid. Okay. But when I when I when we when we did the show, I would listen to the cast recording from the nineties. I don't think I had ever seen the movie until I was in high school. That's fascinating to me. This is one of my first like sitting at my grandmother's house. Yeah. Cause I had my so I have a meme, which is my dad's my a meme and Pepe, which is my dad's parents, mm-hmm. and then a grandma and grandpa, which is my mom's parents. Mm-hmm. And I would watch movie musicals at both of their houses, but Sound of Music was always a, a grandma's house. Yeah. Adventure. My meme had different movie musicals. She had like Grease, and the dirty I think she ones. Had, like the, I think she had like the Barney filmed live. Oh, tw- cool, like, cool. Tour production, which yeah. of course is one of the greatest musicals of, of all time. Top five, top five. <sighs> Lest yeah. we forget the Winkler for the people at home that are following along. The what? The Winkler was his name. Anyway, we're getting sidetracked. Um, but yeah, this, this is Sound of Music is what I would watch at my uh, grandma's house. Yeah, my mom used to have sing-alongs at her great aunt's house, her Mutt for all us Frenchies out there. Um, and they would have sing-alongs around the piano when she was a kid. So, And they would sing Sound of Music? Yeah. 
That's amazing. It, I didn't it, realize your. I knew. I knew your mom was musical, but I didn't realize that your. The rest family, of your family is musical as well. Oh yeah, my Pepe was an opera singer. My mom's dad. Not like the Pepe that I know. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Maybe I did. Maybe you had mentioned it, and it's just in the back of my memory. Maybe. I mean, it's not important. <laughs> We'll talk about Amanda's grandparents at some point, but they were avid uh, theater critics of the Gosstown High School's <laughs> musicals. They just loved Sam so much. <laughs> they really did. They knew we were very good friends, and they would see us in all the shows. And this is, we'll talk about it when we when we, when we get there, but this was sort of the, the pinnacle of mine and Amanda's uh, casting together in high, in, in high school. Was it? Oh, the summer. I think so. Um, I, I watched the movie and listened to the 90s cast recording, and I think the biggest takeaways that I had were, A, the story is just beautiful. The way that the story peaks and, and kind of moves is just really appealing. It's dramatic in the right places, it's comedic in the right places, it just really, it hits, it hits all the, it checks all the right boxes for me. It's stunning. And two, I, I just think the music is just like, we know the songs, we've known them since we were kids. And they still just slap. <laughs> it was really sweet when I was watching the Oprah special. Um, people were talking about the song "I Have Confidence" and how mm-hmm. they like this one woman listened to it before her wedding because it just got her amped. Like people listen to that oh before big events in their lives because it's such an inspiring song. I'm like, why? That I, I think that? is the one. It's the one piece of music from the film. Something good, obviously, I think does a lot better for me than uh, an ordinary couple does. Oh my god! I don't think I don't really think they're an ordinary couple at all, and it's it's kind of a oh, snoozer. It's so, bad. but I have confidence sets Maria off on this like she it just absolutely puts her plot in motion, and I don't feel like you ever get that yes. point for her in the and the, just the structure of where the songs are. I know we talked about this in Greece as well in last episode, but. The way that the music is structured in the film checks the boxes for me better than it does in the musical. I don't like her singing. I don't like her singing favorite things with Mother Abbess. I don't like the Lonely Goat Herd taking place of the... I think the Lonely Goat Herd is the more successful song in the... In the musical? Stage musical. Like, I think think it's it's the least bad, is what I'm trying to say. But I love the idea of the puppet show from It's very cute. From the film. Yeah. Um, I think I love I Have Confidence so much because, like, as you were saying, it really sets her plot up. And it it kind of gives you already an idea of her charisma and who she is. Because I feel absolutely. like... And you get those flavors from her, especially in the film, yes. being in the mountains. And when she runs through how to, how to solve a problem and has that beautiful moment where she is sprinting through the abbey. Right. Um, but it really solidifies all the things that you want to know about her, that she is just gung-ho and ready to tackle anything that comes her way. That, and it shows her sense of humor. Like, it's Absolutely. just really, it's really well done. So well done, Richard Rogers. I think it should be in every subsequent production Same. of the musical. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Life's better with American Family Insurance. 
Because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Another thing that I realized when I watched this, so the girl who played Liesl had mm-hmm. never done anything acting-wise before this. That's shocking because she's one of the highlights of the film for me. She had never done... She played sports in high school. She was working at a dentist's office. One of her <laughs> friends sent in a picture of her to the casting people. That's amazing. And they contacted her. She had never done singing, dancing, nothing. And she is so good in this movie. Her, She's stunning. Oh my God. Her, even just her speaking voice. I love listening to her talk. For those of you following along at home, we're going to cut. She is a Charmaine Carr. She's beautiful. Stunning. Like, and along with, I mean, along with Christopher Plummer and Julie Andrews, I don't know what they did to these actors, but every single one of them has the most stunning blue eyes. Ever. <laughs> they are. I was I was thinking this when I was watching the film. It's a visually stunning cast. They are all so beautiful. Charmaine Carr, Christopher Plummer, Julie is, I think, at her like peak oh beauty in this musical. She's just like Who can rock absolutely that stunning to look at. Her. Um Eleanor Parker, like they're all this they're just they're just it's a beautiful cast. So, so some of the highlights for me, it was really it's the music. The for me, it's my favorite Julie Andrews performance. Obviously, I can't, like, watch her do, like, My Fair Lady, but out of, like, out of, like, Mary Poppins and all of that, like, this is my, this is my peak Julie Andrews. It's what I think of when I think of her. I think of the hair and the face, and she's just... And she says this is what launched her career. It was, it's, it's yeah. stunning. It's so, it's, I just, I don't have enough words to talk about how good it I was. I don't know if I love it, if I love her in this <laughs> role more than Mary Poppins. That, just because. It's a different, it's a different it's thing, so but there's different. something uninhibited about this character that I feel like aligns so well with, like, who Julie is. It's so, yes. you watch, you watch her now and she's so, like, it's that, like, British reserve, that sort of English, like, politeness. I mean, she's a, that Maria totally doesn't She's have. She's like a queen. Exactly. Like when you when you look when you look at her now, and I think Mary Poppins had that thing. Yeah. So this is just like it feels so uninhibited and free. She's almost like it's almost like a Carol Burnett thing she has going mm. on, where she's just free and you know what, you yeah, know what I'm talking yeah. about. Now that I say queen, it's because the first thing I ever saw her in was The Princess Diaries. Was The Princess Bride? Nope. <laughs> I not think the that's Princess a lot of people Bride, from you fool. Not the Princess Bride, <laughs> the Princess Thank Diaries. Um, I I still can't believe that she was not nominated for anything for this. Honestly, and I mean that she that she didn't that she didn't win the Oscar. She was nominated for an okay. Academy Award, but she didn't win. They took home so many. They took home five. No. Uh, one, two, three, four, five Academy Awards. Correct. And not one for her. That's crazy. Not one for her. Um, I also wanted to say, can we talk about, do you know anything about Christopher Plummer and just who he is as a person? Like... A little bit, but enlighten me. He was just so bitter about taking this role. He did not want it at all. He read this... Even in retrospect? 
he well he read the script and thought the character was so bland and so boring so they offered it to him like a thousand times and eventually he's like okay i'll take it but we need to work on this character Mm. and even now like i'm pretty sure he's the one who coined the phrase sound of mucus like really he yes he said that in the oprah uh reunion he just was really he was really bitter he doesn't like looking back on it he said like the only thing he really enjoyed about it was getting to work with julie andrews that's shocking to me so like a lot of the times um the cast will get together. Like Julie Andrews says that they're all still really close, but Christopher Plummer, this is the only time he's reunited with them. Wow. Since the movie. He's just so bitter and cranky and a hoe. I hate the fact that Peggy Wood and Christopher Plummer both had voice doubles because I really wish that they... Who was Peggy Wood? I don't know. Peggy Wood plays Mother Abbess. Oh, she did? Yeah, she had a voice double. I mean, it's it makes sense because when you look at her, I mean, she was... The movie came out in 60... What year was it? 68. Um, I'm just doing some quick math here. 18. Peggy was born in 1892. So she was 76. So there's almost... When you listen to the... I mean, the voice really well matches the character, which I think is sometimes an a disservice to a lot of times voice dubbing happens. Like if you watch like Minnie Driver in the Phantom of the Opera movie, for example, I don't think the voice dubbing always works there. Minnie Driver does a really good job, I think as Carlotta, but the voice dubbing doesn't always work for me. But when you really listen, the voice that's coming out of Mother Abbess is definitely not a 76 year old woman. No, but you know, it's very, it's probably more fitting for like a 50, maybe, maybe early sixties, but it's still something she's still, she, I mean, she, she was nominated for an Academy Award for this. Her performance is still stunning and she sells the vocals. Yeah. Also, I had no idea until you just said so. So. Right. I I didn't know Christopher Plummer had voice dubbing until I researched. One of the things I wrote down was I remember being very in love with the captain. I first watched this movie and then a couple notes down is, and I am again. Because he's just beautiful. It's the blue eyes. It's the he has like a Marlon. Like, have you ever seen clips from Marlon Brando's like early screen tests? No. For some of the earlier films he did. No. Do you do you know who Marlon Brando is? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So he has this kind of like affluent, kind of almost like smug. Like, there's a very famous clip of Marlon Brando like rolling his eyes and kind of biting his lip. Hmm. And Christopher Plummer almost has that kind of like affluent, apathetic kind of like. I mean, there's a sternness that he has when he when he's playing yeah, the captain. But, uh, it's beautiful. What were some of what were some of your highlights watching the movie? The part because he's so stern, I just really have an admiration for the captain. Uh, I just think he's so beautiful, and Christopher Plummer was so beautiful. So there's this one beautiful camera angle, and right before they sing something good, when he says, "Plus, you can't marry someone." When, and then it like the camera angle turns and he turns his head towards Maria when you're in love with someone else. And it's just so well done. It's beautiful. They're beautiful. So that part really got me. Um, I think the, the biggest highlight for me is really the cinematography. Yes, yes. I didn't really realize when I was a kid that like some of the shots that you're watching when you watch the film are so overwhelmingly beautiful. The opening sequence of the shots of Austria, any single time that they show the inside of a church. Oh my gosh. The way that the the direct, the way that it's Richard, not Richard Price. 
Robert Weiss, excuse me. Just the way that he and the cinematography team are able to capture a visual. All of the scenes, any any time that they're just showing the inside of the the estate, the Von Trapp's house, like mm-hmm. the rooms are gorgeous. The entire Lendler sequence, like I was crying watching it today because it's just so. The cinematography really steals the movie for me, and I think it's something I wasn't able to really appreciate the last times that I've watched the movie. A hundred percent. This, especially when they do Do Re Mi, they mm. start it in the picnic, it, like basically on that mountainside, the and then taking them through all of downtown oh Austria, like. It, yeah, it's just really spectacular. Uh, downtown Vienna, not downtown Austria. Salzburg. <laughs> That's what I said. Shut up. I knew it. The Baroness um, is from Vienna. She has all those lavish parties. Do you have some honorable mentions? So my honorable mention is actually the cinematography. Oh, good. Um, because it's just stunning. I'll talk about this a little bit more when we... Eh, no, I'll tell, I'll tell you now. Because I went to Salzburg right. in high school and I thought... Right. I want to go back now because I just didn't appreciate it. I was young. I was supposed to go my junior year. You were supposed to go your... No, I was supposed to go my... Your freshman year. Because you went your senior year. Yes. So I was supposed to go my freshman year, but That's I wasn't right. able to, to to go. Well, I went and I just... I didn't really appreciate it like I should have. And I would kill to go back now. I do remember, though, skipping through all of the things that were from Sound of Music. Well, you can go on, like, a Sound of Music tour. Yeah. Like, there is, like, oh, a yeah. specifically designed tour that takes you through all the sightseeing of the movie my mother would love that let's go if you're listening if you're sponsoring us if you're a sponsor who's listening uh send us to austria okay yeah we could do a live podcast from there squarespace i'm looking at you maybe shutterfly squarespace shutterfly i know you give ellen a lot of money uh we're also available yes to receive a lot oh my god what if we got on ellen uh ellen if you're listening i just want to say uh do better that's not gonna get us on her show (laughs) no i'll take dr filler kelly clarkson as a close second i won't uh you can go on those (laughs) i'm gonna do some my honorable mentions are the von trapp children they are wait shut up that's my other one they're a stunning they're it's a stunning ensemble the the cast from the film and even even in the subsequent productions they always just find a good group of kids yeah that's the 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 short of it Especially in the movie, too, they're all, A, beautifully beautiful. Like, they're all so good looking. Yeah. But there's something about, like, or are cute, you know. Right. But there's also something, like, even though they all look pretty different, something in the directing just makes them all look like a family. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but they all just fit together so well. Um, Yeah, that's my honorable mention is the Von Trapps. Like, they're just so, they just fit so well together. They're so uh, strong together. I cried when I rewatched... So long, farewell, little Gretel. It's beautiful. Climbs herself oh, up Gretel? those stairs. Well, we also were spoiled with probably the cutest Gretel that has ever been a Gretel. Facts. No, I don't know. The movie Gretel. No, you're right. Ryan was the best. R- right. This little girl named Ryan. And she's now a freshman in high school, by the way. Ugh. She came to She came to see me in Charlie. What? In Worcester, Mass. Yeah, she went with Josh. because our, So our high school came to see Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. But she came and she's a freshman in high school. And she's like a 14-year-old. She's like taller than me. She's a woman? <laughs> Close to it. Close wild. to it. wild. All right, Amanda. Lay it on me. Who wins the show for you? There's only one. It's Julie Andrews. Of course. Let's, I mean, is that yours too? Um, mine is, is Rodgers and Hammerstein. They win the show for me because it's their last triumph. But... 
Julie Andrews is definitely a close second. She absolutely, completely steered this musical in a totally different direction when she played Maria. She just turned it into something completely different. And she's not even that old, but she's so maternal. Mm. It's just like, the from the first second... When they do my favorite things in the bedroom, when they all come in because they're scared, like her maternal instincts kick in and it is so natural feeling. I don't know. Everybody says she's like the mother that everybody wants. She's beautiful to watch. A big standout scene for me is the scene. I also found myself really not relating to the Baroness, but finding her journey in the film so... I feel like when... I, I remember us distinctly in high school saying, like, oh, like, you're playing a bitch. Like, because Amanda played the Baroness, in case you didn't... In case you didn't say that. Amanda played Elsa Schrader in the in our high school production. But I remember her saying, like, oh, you're playing a bitch. But I find her in the movie to be so much deeper than that. I don't. Interesting. I... Before, I think when I played the character, I found her a little bit deeper than that because I needed to like like her to play her. Um, so, but this one, I felt very much like she was more money greedy than I remember. And just. I would challenge you to rewatch the scene where she is in the room with Maria before the party. Before or after? When she, when they're getting Maria ready to go to okay. the party, when she basically tells her to leave, like convinces her. Yeah, but I find it so much more complex than that. I almost feel like she's like word vomiting out, like. But anyway, what I'm what I'm getting at here is that the scene that is one of the best scenes for Julie Andrews' performance. I think is her yes. turmoil in that yeah. scene of like, do I stay? Do I go? I have these feelings. I don't know what to do with them. Um. But but that's that's my that's one of my favorite Julie Andrews scenes is I think some of her best acting is in that scene. But I would challenge you to rewatch that scene through the Baroness's eyes because I really see a lot of conflict in her. It's almost like she knows what she has to do, but she doesn't really want to do it, and it just kind of is coming out of her. I I, I get it. I'm just on Julie Andrews' side. <laughs> But it was like, interesting at the age of 26 to watch myself, to, to rewatch the show through, to watch that character's journey through the Baroness's eyes because yeah. she's a woman. She In the movie, she seems a little bit older than a woman should be when she's getting ready to be married. You're right. She just wants <laughs> to settle down. Exactly. And I think she's also like looking for stability. I don't necessarily think that they're a marriage of love, but maybe a marriage of no. lust. They are, and she and says of security. she's like, all she wants is to be loved. What? All she wants is to be loved. Correct, but I also think that she has this air of almost loving herself a lot. Yeah, she just, I remember when they break up, she's like, I want someone to desperately love me. Well, doesn't she have a line about like, because she has her own money. Yeah. She has, a, I think she has a line in act two somewhere of the stage play about, I don't need money, like I have my own money. I was looking for love, but now... I need to go find that somewhere else. Because I do think right. she loves herself. She I does. think she's a very, not arrogant, but a very self-loving person. Two billionaires with financial affairs. <laughs> Isn't it millionaires? I'm pretty sure it's billionaires. I don't know if they're billionaires. In the 40s? Well, they're trillionaires. <laughs> All right. Let's 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 take ourselves back to 2011. Do you want to... Um, do you want to talk about where we were leading up to Sound of Music as as scene partners? Like what we had done before? Exactly. 
I feel like our duo really started in 2010. Into the woods. Listen, I know Aida, Nehebka, and what was your character's name? Mareb. They're, they weren't really cast opposite at all. <laughs> but we bowed together, so that's really all I cared about. But I think more so than being... I don't really think that Mareb and Nehebka are opposites in Aida, but I do think that the way that we experienced that show very yeah, much bonded us together as as friends and as human beings. But that's what... That's what started our duo, because then after that was Into the Woods. Exactly, but I think Into the Woods was our very, it was really our first, like, and then if you look at the rest of our time together in high school, the next four shows we did, we were exclusively opposites. Yep. So, 2010, we played Jack and Little Red uh, Into the Woods together. Yeah. Immediately following that, we play uh, Carlotta Giudicelli and Ubaldo Piangi in the New Hampshire <laughs> premiere of the Phantom Hell of the yeah. Opera. If you stick around for next week's episode, you just might find a little bit more information on our star turn as Carlotta and Piangi in the Phantom. <laughs> it's it's going to be a banger. But, so this, this summer that we did Sound of Music was the first and I think almost only summer. We did it the summer after, but this one was the biggest one. It, so our high school decided that they were going to produce two fully staged musicals in this in over the course of like two months. Yeah, we did this in July, and we did Spelling mm-hmm. Bee. I think like a couple weeks after. Yeah, so we Sam and I were also in the twenty fifth annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, the first time we did it together. Correct. Um, we'll talk about that another time too. Yeah, but this was a big summer for us because we got to play opposites in two shows. But this was sort of the first time that we were really given kind of free reign to really kind of do whatever we wanted. There were a little bit more stricter lines in uh, Into the Woods and in Phantom of the Opera, but this was kind of, we were treated, we had graduated from high school, we were technically alumni of the, what? I was still in high school. Oh, that's right. I had graduated. (laughs) I forgot you were still in high school. I had graduated, um, but we really were... We, we were just kind of given free reign to do what we wanted. Yeah. And I found us making really interesting and fun choices. Such as? We were we were kind of solidified as like very deeply, like Max and Elsa were were, were friends more than just kind of yeah. uh, acquaintances of, of the captains. Yeah. Which I feel like they are in a lot of other productions. They kind of are just lumped together because they're both friends of Georg. But I feel like in our <laughs> uh, 17 and 18 year old portrayal. Heck Yeah. They were, they were deeply connected. They had a really strong bond. I loved that too because also the guy who played the captain was one of my best friends at the time. So I also think that may have been my first like, oh, well, I guess Greece. I made out with people. I was going to say, I think that may have been my first like romantic role. Uh, hello, Kathy. Okay. Every episode <laughs> you're going to bring it up. I'm going to mention you playing... 14-year-old Kathy in every single episode of this podcast. (laughs) Anyways, I guess you're right. This wasn't my first romantic role. In case you forgot, last week to this week, Amanda played Kathy in company to a 28-year-old Bobby at the age of 14. She was literally half his age, and she was like, Bobby, I'm getting married. Blake, if you're listening to this, I'm so sorry. I'm 14. Blake Leister, if you're listening, I still have a crush on you. So what I remember most (laughs) from the show between you and I is eating apple strudels. (laughs) Uh, our choreographer is also a very talented chef. 
and she made us these apple strudels that we ate every night. And Max has a line about overeating. I think in the movie he says he, he's eaten three apple strudels. Oh, yeah. I don't think that that line exists in the in the stage musical, but I was just inhaling apple strudel after apple strudel. They were so good. They were flaky. They were apple They were delicious. We got flakes of stuff all over the stage. But it, oh, they were great. If you've never been on stage and eaten on stage, like, it is a thrill. I think we had, like, tea, too. I think we had, like, iced tea. It was... There, nothing makes me happier than getting to eat food on stage. It just feels like a luxury. <laughs> I do also want to mention from this high school production, I talked to you about this weeks ago. So we had a beautiful set. We had this set designer in high school that was wildly talented. Her name's Catherine Kelly. Catherine, if you're listening, you're so good and you should be a set designer. Is she not? Her first, like, big... Is she not? No, she's, like, a graphic designer. Okay. But she was unreal. So her first, like, really great winning set was this set that she did for when we did Aida. And it was this big, like, it looked like the museum the whole time, but it was, like forced perspective and it was like angular and had hieroglyphics all over it it was beautiful yeah and then when she did the sound and music set she painted this giant mural of the uh, the mountains behind us and had all these other kind of not really forced perspective but these other these cool platforms that were like the estate and could also double as the abbey they were it was a really nice set. it looked like a picture (laughs) it did it literally looked like a big giant postcard in the back of the set it was stunning yeah I will say, however, that high schools do have budgets. So, in the ball scene, Max and Elsa and Maria and the captain are kind of intertwining through the whole set, trying to go from room to room. And we had stairs to get onto the platforms that were on stage. But when we had to exit from the platforms, our high school couldn't afford to build escape stairs. So we would... So we're like, what, nine, ten feet in the air on a platform? Yeah, it was not, it was not short. Not short, but we're walking off stage like, gotta go to another part of the the mansion. (laughs) And we leave, we like disappear behind the leg of the theater and then have to climb down a ladder. Not like a, not, and also I think one side was like a, like an actual ladder that they built. But I think the other side of the stage was like a collapsible, like A-frame ladder that we had to like, step off of the platform and onto the like separate ladder to scale down the platform. I love that. <laughs> that is for me is like abs- quintessential um, high school <laughs> theater for us. Like that was like a like a perfect example of what happened. I will talk about in our Phantom episode a girl fell from the from the, the girl playing Chris the girl playing Christine fell from the like eight foot the, the nine foot platform during Phantom of the Opera from Phantom of the Opera. Do you know what during, I love during too? Tech. That Sorry? same summer, when we did Spelling Bee, so we had this beautiful set for that, and then obviously Spelling Bee, like, it's a low-key set. Doesn't need a huge set, But right? instead of, like, sitting on chairs, we sat on freaking coral risers. Which I think was, like, okay. It was not comfortable. It definitely wasn't comfortable. <laughs> Those are not meant to be sat on. But was not inappropriate. It wasn't, but um, it didn't feel good. So that's that's my memory from that. Do you have any other memories? I just remember having we had a we had a so lot of fun. fun on stage together, and I think you and I were so excited for Spelling Bee, and this was sort of under I undervalued how exciting this 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 show is going to be. Yeah, we like weren't very thrilled when we first got cast because and we then, were like, oh, we just have to sit and do this until we get to do Spelling Bee. But I would say we had just as much, kind of, if not a little more fun in this show, because the stakes weren't as high for us. 
Right. We weren't playing Maria or the captain or Lisa. Like we had these like kind of just, I think I had like four scenes. I think you had three. I had nothing. You can't, we did not have more fun though than spilling the, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you playing Barthay will just be the funniest thing forever. <laughs> I will say that your olive is a very fond memory of mine. <sighs> more so than um, my Mercy Park. <laughs> we will, we will discuss your Mercy Park when the time mm-hmm. is right. I have to talk about my mother. Oh, you're correct. I actually completely forgot about this. We do have to talk about Michelle Harrington. So I called my mom before to get her perspective. Uh, my mom did a show like What'd when she was about in me? high school. She was like, Sam sucked. I don't ever <laughs> want to see him again. Just kidding. My mom was like, you can't go see Charlie Chocolate Factory without me. I'm definitely coming. I'm Amanda's mom. mom did, in fact, come to see Charlie and Chocolate Factory. I was very thrilled yeah, because. That. We've been best friends for a thousand years. So my mom knows my mom knows you very well. But so my mom hadn't been in a show in like I wanna say twenty years. And she Sound Music is one of her favorite shows, one of her favorite movies. So I convinced her to audition. Um she's like, Okay, I'm just gonna be a nun. I'm like, Ma, you should audition for like a role. And she's like, No, I'm not going to. And she told me this, I do not remember this, but apparently I took her audition sheet while she wasn't looking and erased ensemble and wrote lead. And Josh saw that, our director, and cast her as Mother Abbas. And my mom was pissed. I remember her being she so She was mad. very good, though. I remember that distinctly. She was amazing. And I was talking to her on the phone. She was like, I remember like the guy who pulled the curtain. He would hug me at the end of Climb Every Mountain because it closed Act 1 every night. Like, she's like, the girl played Maria would always hug me after. Obviously, I would go backstage and hug her. It was like, it's the only show my mom and I have ever done together. It was I remember really you cool. watching her every night. You made a point to go watch her sing the, the song every single night. I was so proud. And because it's of that. It's a huge deal also. Yeah. So I, I, I think we should also point out in the summer, when we would do summer shows, sometimes community members would come in and fill in ensemble parts in the show. Yes. So adults were in it. Exactly. So when Into the Woods, Jack's mother was played by an adult from the community uh, in 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 uh, Sound of Music, several of the nuns and some of the party guests um, and Mother Abbess and some of the more uh, the lead nuns, like the, the standout nuns were community members. No, I was really, really proud of her. And I don't want to toot my own horn, but I feel like because I pushed her to do that, she's come so much out of her shell now. Like she sings... I would she agree with you. She sings in church all the time. She's singing in a community chorus. She's taking voice lessons now. Like virtually, I just I just I just saw that on Facebook. I wished her well. Well, she's been doing them for 2 years now. Not usually virtually. Usually in person, but here we are with COVID. So no, so I'm really proud of her. I feel like this was in 2011, is that what you said? I feel like Correct. Correct. Nine years ago, if she hadn't done that, she might not be singing as much as she is now. So, You're probably right. Mom, I love you. Proud of you. Michelle Harrington, you were great in the show. She's going to cry when she listens to this. <laughs> is she going to listen? Oh my gosh. Her and all the mamas are pumped to listen to Are it. they talking about this already? Yes. Wow. So Sam and I went to high school um, with a lot of supportive mothers. Correct. And they would call themselves the music mamas. And they still hang out. They do. We graduated high school so long ago, and they're still friends. Uh, a few of them were still helping with shows until recently. Yeah, I think so. Even though we graduated from high school, like, 
eight and eight or nine years ago. Yeah. Ew, your 10 year anniversary is coming up next year. Are you going to go? If I'm on Broadway, then yeah, I'm going to go in a year. But if I'm not on Broadway, I'm not going to go. <laughs> I love that so much. I need to have something like I want to show up and be like, oh, you don't know me. I'm James Corden. I think that's great. You don't remember me? Like I'm, I'm Hugh Grant and we went to high school together. Who's Hugh Grant? Okay. Next topic. Um, <laughs> Amanda, you auditioned for The Sound of Music in 2020. Who were you auditioning for? Is Hugh Grant the guy from Music and Lyrics? <laughs> Yes. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, <laughs> I'm happy for you. Um, the cute thing about this show is I can't play any of the roles. Although, I guess... Give me give me 10 years. I think I could play the Baroness again. I think you're right. I think that's the best role for me, um, singing-wise, because she sings about only an octave, and I feel that. Uh- <laughs> um... I so I, I love her songs, and she's a guy, she's a deep her, character. Her her moments. I I think Max and Elsa have a really nice job in the show. They really just get to kind of lighten the mood. Yeah. What about you? I mean, I played Max. I think that for a little while, I'll probably pit, play the butler, and then uh, I'll I'll someday graduate back to playing Max. Yeah. I think I still need a little bit more time, but I am excited to revisit the role someday. Yeah. He gets a really great job. He gets to tell all the jokes and do all the fun parts and hang out with the kids for a couple a couple a couple scenes. Um, it's a great part, and I would love to revisit it someday. Honestly, I still look like I'm 13, so maybe I could play Louisa. Louisa? Yeah, she's 13. Not Liesel. Nope, Louisa. Louisa, specifically. Great. Yeah, just a, like a, a double D. I can't D. dance. I'm not playing Liesel. A double D Louisa. Okay, we'll tape my breast down. <laughs> like we did in Spelling Bee when I played Marcy Park. You had to, you had to bind your chest? Yeah, I couldn't breathe and I thought my ribs were going to break, so I, I took don't remember that during intermission. Um, any other outstanding like lines or any moments that you want to discuss before we get I mean, adieu? Much like, like, what's the song, what's the big song in Carousel? When you walk through a storm. Not climb every mountain. No. Nope. Um, you'll never walk alone. This just this show just has like climb every mountain is just like the the best. Like it's like the biggest theme of the show. Yeah. And you get it at the end of Act One and then it sort of accelerates the story at the end. I always cry when Mother Abbess starts reciting that Bible verse at the very end. Mm. Right before she starts singing the song. I always get choked up. So I think it's just like climb every mountain until you find your dream. Like you have to keep trying and you have to keep working towards becoming enlightened and becoming your, the truest version of yourself. And I think that that's the real story when you watch the Sunday music is this young woman really coming into her own. And yeah, it's set against the kind of backdrop of world war two and the Nazis invasion into Austria, but it really at its core is about a woman discovering her true purpose in life. I think she's, yeah, she's discovering her body and staying. (laughs) I hate you. (laughs) But staying true to herself, that she has these instincts to be spunky and to be fun and to be kind and loving. And everywhere she goes, she can't find what that is until she meets these children. Yes, like the her romance with the captain like is a secondary thing to that. But for me, it's really her relationship with the kids that sets the story into motion. Ditto. Good. I'm so glad for you. Well, everyone, this has been another episode of the Buzzed Broadway Podcast. As always, we are so happy to have you here. If you're enjoying what we're putting out, please subscribe to our podcast. Yeah, DM us our inaccuracies and we'll (laughs) 
maybe respond. Yes, like, please keep in mind that we do not have a live fact checker. I wish we did, but unfortunately we don't have that budget. So all we've left to say is we're going to go back and forth on this one. Ready? So long. Farewell. Thank you. I thought you were going to mess it up. You're supposed to say Auf Zayn. Goodbye. I just said Auf Zayn. Well, listen, we're recording remotely. There's a delay. You can't expect me to know exactly what you're going to say at every moment. Remember when Kurt sings that high note? <laughs> Get it, honey? Everyone, and on that note, grab a cocktail, put on a cast recording, have a great time. We're always happy to have you here at Buzz Broadway, and we will see you next week. If you like what you heard on today's episode, be sure to leave us a rating and review. Want to support Buzzed Broadway? Head to anchor.fm to learn more. If you need more Buzz Broadway shenanigans in your life, follow us on Instagram at at Buzzed Broadway Podcast. Buzz Broadway is conceived and hosted by Amanda Harrington and Sam St. Jean. Editing by Amanda Harrington. Original music by Carl Pariso with musical arrangements by Patrick Doro. As always, thank you to our sponsors, to Anchor, and to you, our listeners. See you next time. What if I forgot to record all of that? I would murder you. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.